Well, I feel to continue and uh, into uh, a message, a bit of a series breaker, actually, because we've been in a series and um, uh, we, I guess, are, in, are again highlighting in some respects uh, who we should be. And, um, you know, that's, we've just finished a series. Uh, if you go onto our podcast, it's a series on being spiritual and, and what that means and, and, you know, I guess you say what... what um, pertains to that is that God is a spirit and if we're going to be sensitive to him uh, we, we have to grow in our spiritual sensitivity to the things of the spirit and that's a that's a growing thing it's a sensitivity thing and um, and of course you know understanding that the things of God are spiritually discerned you know they're not you don't work it out out here or up here you work it out in here and uh, out there in our spirit and uh, so important. We saw last week recognising that we come into relationship uh, with God the Father through Jesus Christ. We come into our inheritance. Uh, we then begin to act like family, don't we? King's kids is a term I think we've heard uh, before, but we know that the Holy Spirit confirms with our spirit and uh, testifies to that truth within us. And uh, you know, I, just as I go to the notes this morning, I just want to pray and ask the Lord a blessing on this morning's message and that it touch hearts and lives. Father, we again thank you for your word, Lord. And we, we thank you. It is a lamp to our feet, Lord God. It is a, a light to our path, Lord. It shows us where we are, shows us where we can go, Lord. And we thank you for your word, Father, your, your written word, your spoken word today. We love it, Lord. And we thank you for the life that it gives us. Lord, we give attention to it today, Lord God. Not the attention to the words of men, Father God, but to the word that you bring today, Lord God, that touches hearts and lives. Lord, we give attention to it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Well, again, uh, uh, this, this idea that um, we come into family, you know, the Holy Spirit confirms that with our lives and testifies the truth. Um, within us. I like that verse there, Romans 8, 16. It says the Spirit himself testifies or confirms, testifies that we are God's children. It's good to be reminded, isn't it? It's good to feel like you're a family with our Heavenly Father. Sons and daughters rate highly in the kingdom of God. Remember that. Sons and daughters, they rate very highly in uh, God's kingdom. When mankind fell from grace, who did God send to fix the mess? He sent a son, you know. Sons and daughters are very, very, uh, um, very, very important to the Heavenly Father. And if we were to know what the future holds for the church in the world that we live in, we should see that it's all wrapped up in God's original design to reveal his sons and daughters. Just think about that. You're a part of, as a son and a daughter of your Heavenly Father, you're a part of the revelation that he wants to bring to the world. And you can be a part of that. Praise the Lord. Romans um, 8 and verse 19 says, For uh, the eagerly awaiting creation, this is the New American Standard, for the eagerly awaiting creation waits for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. Creation itself is waiting for you and I to be revealed as sons and daughters. The Weymouth translation, I quite like it as well. It says, For all creation gazing eagerly as if with outstretched neck is waiting and longing to see the manifestation of the sons of God. Did that come up all right? Good, good, yes. Eager expectation. Eager expectation. Uh, guys, I need a little screen down the front here 
that tells me what slides are up, okay? Just in, it'll be about this big, all right? Just, just putting my orders in, okay? <laughs> Wanting to know our true identity is a pursuit. Um, you know, you, know you, you hear of, of young people having identity crises. You know, you think about that. Um, there's the, also, uh, for uh, men, as they get older, they have a, a um, what do they call it, a midlife crisis. There's a midlife identity crisis, and they go out and buy sports cars and trying to figure out who they are and what they should be and what they should have and all those kind of things. But <laughs> and, and, and there we have in society at the moment, we have young people, again, having these identity crises, and it's sort of something that's in society because they don't know who they should be. They don't know the, 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 uh, uh, the, the identity that God's given them and, the, and who we should uh, attempt to be. And, of course, the um, activity of the, our enemy is very much, uh, you know, where the forces of darkness, you know, knowing where the, you know, the, the, the enemy is at work and knowing where the forces of darkness are at play, where they're deploying their resources is in this area. It's a deception area for them deceiving people into thinking they need to be like this or they need to be like that or I'm not happy how I was born so I'm going to be something else. I know. It's in this area of identity and we see it today where people are being deceived into identity choices that are not aligned to God's design. Amen. We see parents withholding guidance and, you know, on that, deceived into thinking that it's normal. And in governments legislating to protect those choices. I tell you, boy, church, we need to be praying. Why would the enemy use this as a strategy? You know, I believe this is revelation here. Because if you're busy trying to take on an identity based on an emotion and a feeling of the flesh, you will struggle to find your true identity in the spirit. And it's a deception to get us off, off track. Get us just, you know, off into, you know, areas of the flesh rather than areas of the spirit, sons and daughters, you know. And if, you, if you're distracted, how do you how then go on to maturity, you know, and purity in being sons and daughters of God? How do you do that if you're distracted and thinking you should be something else? And what we're seeing in society, and we should understand that, is just the enemy at work, and uh, we need to take authority over that. Enemy doing what it does best, distracting, deceiving, and lying to people. You know what the enemy has always done, what the devil's always done. Jesus said that the devil was a liar from the beginning. And, um, you know, scripture tells us to be like our Heavenly Father so that people can look at us and say, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. That's how it should be for us. You should see something of a Heavenly Father by seeing us. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. There's that, you know, that mimicking. Is that that word imitate? It's mimicking. Remember as a young child, I've probably told this story before, a young child standing there at the sink must have been knee-high to him or something, I think, and looking at my father shaving at the sink. And he's shaving away, and, and uh, I'm, I'm sitting there looking and thinking, I need to shave too, you know. I must have been four, 
you know, maybe. And so he, he actually gave me a little bit of, uh, you know, his uh, lather and foam there and, and I sort of put it on my face. And, and while he's shaving away, he had to change a blade. And uh, he took the blade off and he put the old used blade down on the sink and, uh, and then, of course, proceeded to, you know, focused on, you know, shaving. And what he didn't see was me as a little four-year-old reach up and grab the razor blade. <laughs> Next thing you know, there was blood everywhere. And, um, and he, he didn't really notice until he saw that I wasn't moving anymore. And this is, this is the real funny bit. Because I passed out standing up. So I'm just slumped. Passed out at the sight of blood. And, uh, and I have done that once or twice, you know, in, in my life as I grew up. The sight of blood. Don't get me in a, you know, seeing blood because I'll pass out. But there I'm standing up, passed out. And, um, but, you know, what was I doing? I was imitating my father, you know. And, and that should come normal for us spiritually as well. We best mimic our Heavenly Father, I believe, when we walk in love. We best mimic our Heavenly Father when we walk in love toward one another. Now, just stay with me now, a little ex explanation about culture and, uh, and clothing. You know, our clothing is often an identity decision, isn't it? Um, I am finding at the moment that shirts with colours, spots on them is, is very much an in thing at the moment. So a few people walk in, they've got, you know, that kind of look, you know, and fashions tend to change and shift and move and, and all that. But, you know, we betray ourselves a little bit with keeping up with things by, you know, some of our fashion decisions. You know, we've, we've all heard of fashion statements. Some people don't understand that and you can usually tell by the way they dress. You know, <laughs> they're making a fashion statement which is, I'm not keeping up. You know, not trying to keep up. Well, I'm going with what's comfortable to me, you know. But, you know, I, I recall, and some of you might relate, some of you that are around my age, I recall growing up how I once, you know, got to the age where I could make a decision for myself as to how I dressed. That's usually, for me, it was like probably 13, 14. And, um, but I made wardrobe decisions based on who I wanted to look like. Anyone with me? You know, the culture I wanted to identify with. Now this is in the 70s, so some, you know, right, understand what I'm talking about. The crowd I wanted to hang in, fit in with, was based on how I dressed, you know. And uh, my mother had kept me in the school uniform right up until that age of th at 13. As soon as I could change that, I did, you know. And of course, uh, I took on the look of a surfy. Okay, I had the long, sort of curly, blondish hair and... and uh, you know, fit right in, corduroy Levi's, beachcombers, and golden breed t-shirts. Come on, come on, 70s, 60s, you know, 70s, you know, all those around the 60 year of age uh, group, beachcombers, and of course the signature look, puka shells around the neck. <laughs> James loving. And I, I thought it was pretty good because I don't know where I got them, but I had real ones. You know, there were plastic ones available, and you could tell half a mile away that they were plastic ones, but I had real ones. And uh, puka shells from Hawaii, I think. <laughs> you know, and then what happened was we moved house. We went to another suburb, and surfies don't fit in in that suburb. You know, and, uh, and of course the look had to change almost immediately, you know. 
and uh, uh, just to sort of fit in with that crowd. And, and uh, in that area, if you were a rock, you fitted in. Does anyone know what a rock was? Got a few, yeah, <laughs> a rock or rocker or rock, okay, a rock. And you, you fitted into that neighborhood. So it was um, black t-shirts, DBs, tractor tread DBs. We're talking no checkered shirt. No, it was the black. It was mostly the black t-shirts and 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 of course denim Levi's, and uh, you fit right into that little subculture. Very yeah, mullet mullets were, were very much uh, started to kick in, and uh, ACDC, we're on the highway to hell. <laughs> That's you know we wanted to sing that song and you know, you know it's all interesting to see some of the historical photos too here in Broome if some of you remember and have seen them uh, even on the local television station GTV there, where the more distinguished class of people wore all white. And they had the, you know, the, the, the shorts, the white shorts and the long white socks and the white shoes and the pith hats, you know. And you look into the old, you know, and that was, you know, your dress distinguished you as to who you were, you know. Very interesting, isn't it? Our, our clothing is so often cultural is really the point, the takeaway here. It speaks of how we fit within that culture. The kingdom of God has a culture as well. And we need to understand what that is. And I want you to look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to 29. It says, for all you, for you are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ. Verse 29. And if you belong, belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants. That's family. Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. We talk about being heirs based on being family. Amen? The kingdom of God has a culture. And the more we grow in our understanding, the more we should be clothed accordingly. The more we should seek to wear what we've been given by God to be clothed with. I think of our robes of righteousness straight away. You know, our robes of righteousness come to mind. That constant realisation that now in Christ Jesus, there is now no condemnation. Amen? No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That our right, right standing with God is based on his grace and not on our works. And of course, being clothed with our new identity in Christ is very much a New Testament theme, very much something that we can continue to walk with and, uh, and recognise as, as his way for us. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 to 13, it says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. That's a good thing, isn't it? Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Amen. What an important thing for us to, to, to uh, mimic of our Heavenly Father is his level of forgiveness, which is always, you know, uh, reached, uh, stretched out to us all. 
You know, and if you want to know what Jesus said would be an identifying feature for every Christian, let's look what he said. John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35, it says, A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must also love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples. It identifies us. It stands out in the crowd. And I like that. You know, not our failed expectations of one another. And you've got to watch out for that. Because mostly the, 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 the issues that start to arise between people is a failed expectation. Or even worse, an unfair expectation. You know. And we need to learn to, to let those go. Make sure that our attitude to others, uh, toward others is not based on our criticism, but our willingness to forgive one another. And that should be undergird our relationship. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 14 to 15, it says, Above all, clothe yourselves with love. There it is again. How are you going to dress? How are you going to identify yourself? Clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are all called to live in peace and always be thankful. What? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called what? Sons and daughters of God. Amen. The peacemakers, those that walk in love, those that continue to, to let that flow from their lives. When the Bible speaks of coming together as a church, it highlights love as the very thing that we should stir up in one another. Our nudges toward one another should be about stirring each other up to love and good works. That's right. It's true. It's in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, 25, it says this, and let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds. Not abandoning our own meeting together, as is the habit of some people, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see that day of dawning. Why should you come to church? To stir one another up to love and good works. To find someone who might just need a word in season. Come on. You know, I know that you've had some issues with that other person, but hey, just love them. Pray for them. You know, get them through that situation. They'll come out the other side. Amen? Very important. Very important that we come for that reason. Check out what the Apostle Peter says in the Amplified Version. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7, 8, it says, and this is the Amplified, it says, the end and culmination of all things is near. How much more is that near now? How much more in this day and age that we live, considering when that was said? Therefore be sound-minded and self-controlled for the purpose of prayer, staying balanced and focused on the things of God, so that your communication will be clear, reasonable, specific and pleasing to Him. Above all, have fervent an unfailing love for one another. Mm. Forgiving others' shortfallings is so important. Because you know what? There's not a single person in the room that hasn't had them or hasn't even got them. Our shortfallings. And forgiving and overlooking those. Because what, what it says here, because love covers a multitude of sins. It overlooks unkindness and unselfishly seeks the best of others. Wow. 
for anyone who's keen for the gifts of the Spirit, and I say this, um, you know, in the light of, you know, wanting to be a channel of God's love and power, who doesn't want to be? You know, as you continue to go on in the things of God, as you continue to grow and mature, you want that. You want to be an expression of God to other people. But anyone who is keen for the gifts of the Spirit to operate more in their lives, anyone who has that desire, we should all have it. All right, I say that we should all have it. Understand that your love walk is key. Your love walk is key. Because the gifts issue forth from a, a, a loving father's heart. The gifts come from that place. Therefore, love must be our first pursuit. I heard a preacher say this, and this might be a little bit deep for some, but I heard a preacher say this. We prophesy from identity, not for identity. Amen. You think about that one. We prophesy from identity, not for one. Get the motive right first. The gifts are for serving others, loving others. The gifts will flow from a right attitude. You wonder where the gifts, how do I, where's the switch for the gifts? I believe that the gift switch is love. Start to, you know, flow out of God's love for others and you watch the gifts will be flowing straight after that, straight after that. It's not a trick. It's not a trick that you can conjure up. It's just when you start to actually say, no, I'm going to walk in love. Like the Bible teaches, I'm going to start walking that way toward others. And, and Peter continues in chapter 4, and we're just, just a couple more scriptures before we finish today. Just as each of you have received a special gift, this is 1 Peter 4, verses 10 to 11. Uh, just as each one of you has received a special gift, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God, employ it in serving one another, as is appropriate for good stewards of God's multifaceted grace, faithfully using the diverse varied and uh, gifts and abilities granted to Christians by God's unmerited favour. Wow. Go on in verse 11. It says, Whoever speaks to the congregation is to do it with one who speaks the oracles, the utterances, the very few words, uh, the very words of God. Whoever serves the congregation is to do it as one who serves by strength, which God gives, or God with God abundantly supplies. So that in all things, God may be glorified, honoured and magnified and through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory, the dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know, I want to just, uh, you know, stop and finish, you know, today with um, a, a, an appeal really for all of us to be determined to be clothed with love, to mimic and imitate our Heavenly Father. You know, the, 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 the things that others, you know, might have perpetrated against us at times, and all of us have had things perpetrated against us. Some of us have been the perpetrators. All right. I think, you know, when I think back, I think back, you know, uh, um, you know at times maybe, uh, you know, where at school I might have bullied another kid. I think back on that, you know, to being a bully. And... Uh, you know, I think back on those uh, things and, and other things that I did as I grew up. That I, you know, I think if we all did that, we'd all be in the, in the same boat thinking about things that we did that were wrong. We've all been perpetrators. But what God wants us to do is to know that he's forgiven us. And he also wants us to know that and we should then forgive others in the same way that he's forgiven us. And we're to be clothed with that. We're to wear it. 
and, uh, and allow it to be something that influences others. Let's be determined to be clothed with Christ, to have on those attributes of his, you know, of his as sons and daughters of the Lord that, that, that make us stand out in the crowd. By this all men shall know that you are my disciples. If you have loved one for another, that means excusing one another's shortfallings, you know, well, we haven't got it right. And maybe the other person didn't get it right. But you know what? You say, that's it. I'm going to walk in love and I'm going to forgive like he forgave me. And you can't make other people forgive you. You can't make other people let you off the hook. But you can let other people off the hook. You can start with you. And that'll make a difference. Be those sons and daughters and stand out in the crowd in this society that is so messed up with identity at the moment. Let's make sure that we have the identity of Christ on our lives through how we clothe ourselves with love. Amen? Amen.